Read a mail for the month of September. Hello and welcome to Triangle Square, the PlayStation podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, Mr. Saul Bridges, bringing you guys lucky reader mail for the month of September. That still sounds so weird. Anyway, if you've never heard of us, we are Triangle Square, the PlayStation podcast. We post in video format to YouTube every Monday, 12 p.m. CST, 10 a.m. PST. There you go. Uh, and if you see us on there, subscribe. Keeps our videos coming to you every Monday, bare minimum. We have more outside of that. You can find us in audio format on podcast services, be it on Apple products or Android. That's right. You can find us on Podcast Addict, all these other things that I don't quite know. Pod something, I don't know. Podbean. Podbean, I think, is a sir, is a provider. Like They let you stream through them. Anyway, oh. uh, if you like us on iTunes, consider giving us a review and letting us know what you like about the show, what you don't like. helps get our numbers up there and, of course, lets us know how to evolve the show over time. Um, you can find us on Twitter at TriangleSQRD, on Patreon at Nartech Gaming. That's our over-umbrella channel, where you can win some pretty sweet custom cases that we do. Uh, actually, you don't even win. It's guaranteed now once per quarter. You can find it there. You can always email us at Triangle Squared Podcast, spelled out exactly like it sounds, uh, at gmail.com. And with that being said, oh, Facebook. That's the last thing. You can find oh, yeah. us on Facebook group. But with that being said, we're going to move on into this episode. And Saul... How do you want to start this off? Sure. Well, for those that don't know, every episode we ask three read mail questions, and the ones that we get uh, that we do not answer, we throw them into a document, and here we go. First we, Friday we, of we every month. We ask four reader mail questions. Four. Yeah, we, you're right. That's... We don't, we don't, well, I say we ask for them. We don't ask reader mail questions. That almost sounds like we're asking. We, yeah, we ask you guys to give us reader mail <laughs> questions, and then uh, we answer only three of them, and sometimes we get five, six, seven uh, multiple tweets yeah. we're on Facebook and then uh, we get two tweets a week and then on Facebook so yeah this is the collection of them all last month's was meaty this one's not too bad yeah so this one this one's gonna be a nice little quick episode that for means you, you gotta give us more questions so yeah. that next month could be meaty again but that's okay we're gonna start this off strong and uh, Mr. Steve Bitto here says what's taking Rocksteady so long to reveal what they're working on and this is a great question and it's really great Primarily because since he's asked us this, we've seen even more leaks that involve them. Now, one of them, I think, is unequivocally just not true, and I think it's that Harry Potter game that they uh, showed. Yeah, so, so people basically made the connection that Warner Brothers, Harry Potter, Warner Brothers... Uh, Rocksteady. Rocksteady, yeah, and so... Don't get me wrong, I understand the thought process that would lead you there, but between the studios they have, uh, Avalanche... Um, Soft, well, what is that? It's Avalanche. It's not but, the but same it's not, Avalanche. That yeah, it's not Mad Avalanche Max. Studios. Um, it's um, yeah, it's it it is Avalanche though. It's just I think not, it's Avalanche Software. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, they are the people that have made the Cars games for some time now, which are actually not bad games from what I've seen. I've debated playing one because of it. Uh, I think that they were also the team behind Disney Infinity. Weirdly enough, they, were, they ended up yeah. getting bought out by uh, WB and saved. Uh, so yeah, you know, this is one of those interesting things. I think that some of it came. From wanting to let you, you got to think it's not been that long. When did Arkham Knight release? Twenty fifteen? Didn't we determine that? I think so. So yeah. if it's been twenty fifteen, it's only been three years since we've gotten that. Uh, three and a half, I guess, as we're going into the later part of eighteen now. But when you really start to think about that, it's not that bad. Uh, three years for a new IP, or what? Not not no new IP, but to be fair, building a new game uh, up. So it's been three years and three months. June was when it came out. So yes, um, or four months. God. It's going crazy. Anyway. Um, oh, yeah, we're in October now. Spoopy. Excuse me. But with that said, I think it's 
three years for a brand new game is not surprising. Sound like an alien. <laughs> what? That that like I don't know what it was. My stomach girl. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, three years definitely not surprising for what uh for the scale of game they normally announce. I mean, compared to Arkham Knight, Arkham City, and then Arkham Asylum, well, it's about two two years, two and a half years in between. Between each game. Yeah, yeah and you also gotta think you're you're iterating on a on a world that you've already built right. and you're yeah, you're refining gameplay and, and making it better things. than previously and then uh or previous and then not uh, of course being too repetitive in the well, process. But yeah, basically you have a foundation. So when yeah. you think about that and you think about how they're moving forward, it seems like after these slew of leaks, I do think it's highly likely they're doing something in the Justice League realm or a Superman game. Those obviously make the most sense for what their pedigree is, though I can understand why some people would think that maybe Rocksteady was doing the Harry Potter game. It didn't quit. It didn't look polished enough to be Rocksteady, in my opinion, even though it looks good. Uh, but it doesn't look triple A enough to be Rocksteady handled, in my opinion, unless they were being forced to go that route because of something. But I think it makes more sense for them to continue going in the superhero realm where people know them really well. Yeah. Though I guess the argument could be made that their reverence for Batman, if they had the same reverence for Harry Potter, that they could use their just general love for taking a licensed game series that normally doesn't get great releases and do what they did for Batman and come out with the first truly great Harry Potter release. Now we may still see that with what Avalanche reportedly or rumoredly is doing with this Harry Potter game, which there's credence led to that by the fact that Warner brothers pulled the video. So I'm fairly positive. It is real. Just what Um, we saw was way too polished to be some kind of test footage. Yeah. Or even, or even some weird fan made project. It looked, some people people were worried about the fact that they were like, I don't know if it's Harry Potter. They showed that goblin guy getting, pierced like getting stabbed with the thing uh, or what do you call that uh impaled with the sword as he blows back and i was like no if this is a game for harry potter and they're trying to take it seriously the gaming market that's really going to support this game is going to be people who are teenagers or young adults who grew up with this series yeah and they are going to be the ones who are hungry enough but don't get me wrong i'm sure kids still like harry potter but no group of kids will ever probably like Harry Potter as much as a group of kids of, our, of our generation. Not. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think that you need to worry about it being kid-friendly because this is a real... I mean, if it's teen, that's fine. I mean, that's exactly what Batman did. Yeah. And Batman did well. And you see it happen with Spider-Man. Was Spider-Man Arkham Knight him? I don't think so. Okay. I really want to thought... I really thought that, like, sometimes... At some point I don't think any of them ended up being him, um, which is interesting because the games go pretty loose with with language so games kind of get in this different area you know you can type in esrb yeah that's what i just think about to do so i don't I, I think that they're just holding their cards close to their chest until they're ready to really reveal oh, what no, they've been working on that one was M. yeah nice. Arkham knight was okay because okay. i was like city was not no no i know city wasn't yeah i remember there being some kind of different controversy on um why it's rated m all of a sudden and people were speculating a good couple amount of things that it could be but a uh, good game overall though yeah, sure. So, kind of talking about Batman and Robin, we have a uh, question number two. Uh, Mr. Sean One Neo says, "What single player game or franchise would you like to experience in co-op?" He says, "Arkham, Batman and Robin. That'd be kind of cool." And then he says, "Uncharted." He says, "Not The Last of Us because co-op survival games aren't scary." I actually fully agree to that. Um, it's it's it would be weird to play like Resident Evil Four or something, or it's- Evil Within, or Last of Us when you have somebody with you. I mean, I, it would be fun for sure, but it would take atmosphere out of the it'd game. It'd be a different form of tenseness. It would be a tenseness. That, uh, I don't know. It, it wouldn't be the same because you wouldn't have the feeling that the games instill of you of being completely alone. Like that is part of what feels like, and that's why parts of where you had the uh, dude helping you in um, 
Dead Space 3 felt a little weird. Oh, yeah. Um, Haven't played though that Though mostly yet. not bad. I still think that that game handled what it was trying to do a lot better than other games like uh, Resident Evil 5. Even though Resident Evil 5 is a fine game. It's not great, but it's a fine game. It's fun co-op game. It's just not a good... It's not a good horror game, no matter what you do. Right. It's, it's just a, not it's the way it's set up. Polar opposite compared to four. I don't know. That's I actually... have a question. I, I have I have one for this. Do you not have one? Or are you kind of I'm trying to think. Uh, near, uh, near Automata. <laughs> you so you think? I don't know what's going on with me in the pronunciation of that word. I've heard it pronounced wrong so many times. Uh, but yeah, like imagine being not S and two B. At the same time, running around? Yeah, it'd be fun. I think that there'd be some benefit to that, but I think it'd be weird when you when you try and account into cutscenes. Or, and, well, playthroughs as well. Like, it doesn't make sense for later playthroughs, but just to, like, be able to pick up a controller on the first one and press start or something and put, take over, be fun. Sure, even though you know what would really be interesting about that? It wouldn't be the same as the game ended up playing out. So if you've not played Nier Automata, basically the setup... <laughs> Saul's jealous that I can say it clear. Um, oh, I can say Automata clear. I just you you automata. never run into it. Yeah, yeah sorry, I say clear, but I could say it correctly. Be, yeah, the first I'll say time. it's not become natural for me some, for some reason. But anyway, I think it'd be interesting. So you know the way that it goes down is that there's like he said you know multiple playthroughs. Well, the way that game works when you well, hear the words multiple playthroughs, you normally think that you're playing the same game over again with a different ending. I don't want to go into this. I don't want to go into this. I don't want to go that far. No, no, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to even go into B. Okay, I just want to say like multiple playthroughs. It would not make sense for co-op. This is this would be all I'll come down to. Considering why B takes place, I think if you played that game co-op, what would be an interesting take on it is that while you, when you get split, you actually both players go off and do their own thing because this would be online co-op. This would be different. Yeah, this would have to be online. Yeah. Co-op. So you and you do that, and then eventually when you come back together, the only way that you actually learn the full story is by talking to each other. That would be really interesting. That would be dope. Uh, just as a weird mechanic. That almost sounds like something that they would do from like a weird... Uh, it almost sounds Kojima-esque. Like they would be like, well, you're not going to learn about the that, full story yeah. unless you exper- unless you play co-op and experience... That would, that would you know, seriously be a really cool experience. I mean, I think that that's kind of what they were aiming for when you think about what they did with co-op in uh, that Get Out game. Yeah, is that uh, what it's called? Was it called Get Out? Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. And because it's like you would, y'all would both like some cutscenes would take place at the same time, but y'all would be in different areas. And it's like so you experience them slightly different. So talking to each other would give you a little bit of a bigger breath of a uh, of what was going on. But I think that that'd be a cool way. It may not actually work out as cool as you think, but on paper, it's a novel sounding idea. So yeah. Um, but you, so you, do you ever simmer on a game? <sighs> Near's good. I, I, I'm trying to think of. It gets weird because you think about single-player games and where to go with them, and co-op is not quite the same as MMO, but I've had for a while this idea in my mind because of how incredibly fun DC Universe Online was that I think it'd be really cool with what they did with the Infamous Universe to let you basically create your own Infamous character, like your own conduit, and then go on and either co-op it or straight-up MMO so this is not quite thinking of a single player game that you would take in a co-op direction. This is more taking a, this is more thinking of a co of a, of a single player story or sorry, a single player series and then going from that direction into a MMO based thing with it. So I don't know. Could you cuz you said you what you played 1 and 2 or did you just play 2 or Infamous Wise or you played a little bit of Second I played, Son? I played like 4 hours of Second Son. Did you play any other Infamous besides that? No. Okay. Uh, except those the times that used to come over like a decade ago and spend the night and we would you would have those in there. 
Yeah, and you kind of... We gravitated more towards Resistance 2 and Unreal Tournament sure. 2. Man, Unreal Tournament 3. 3. 3, yeah. That game is so good. I miss it. I want it to come back out. I was really hoping that they would do a, a, a remaster, but I knew it, it would never happen because they don't love me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, oh. I think that the Infamous thing would be cool. Did you ever play DC Universe online? I didn't want to. Dude, it's actually I, I've, good. I've watched people play it before in person, and it just did not look fun to me. Really? I yeah. think that that's surprising because of the way the game plays out. It's like your own. It's like you're all just playing your own character action game, like where you're getting to run around a combo, but yeah. then you're going to do everything together. Maybe it's because you didn't get to see all the way through. I don't know what you saw, but uh, did you actually see uh, people do uh, – I can't remember exactly what they were called, but basically raid instances? No, I don't think so. It's really cool. If you ever have like, like some weird downtime, the game's still up. I will totally download it and play with you if you ever just decide on a do weird that with Terraria. Oh yeah, Terraria. Terraria, so good. Dang, Terraria. All right, next game up. Our next question up. If Blue Point Games is really working on a remake of Metal Gear Solid, what modern updates would you like to see the most? What would you want to stay the same? Regarding the latter, I wouldn't want any changes to the audio, score, and voiceover. Now this is okay. So honestly, the I would want one change, and it actually would be to the score and voiceover. But it wouldn't. It would just be a full-on remastering of the score and voiceover. I'm gonna go a little bit different because here's something that's interesting when you actually start to think about where games are. And don't me wrong, the first game actually does have for the time period really above, like it, it was up there, you know, when the original game came out, but. Voice acting as an art has come a long way. Oh, no, dude. It's it's cheesy in the first game for sure. Yeah, exactly. It's meant to be half and half, really. It, it is a little bit, uh, but I, also, some of it's just a product of the time, right? Now, I could see why somebody with it doing a remake would just want it to be exactly 100% done, exactly how it was with the cadence and everything, but I think that you could really sell the story a lot more by keeping the script the exact same, but mo-capping all the actors, uh, and that way you get real performances. No... That would I, I personally weird. think that that would be cool. Why do you think it what looks weird? What is his weird? name, Jack? What, Kiefer Sutherland? Yeah, I was going to say, I thought you were going to say you want Kiefer. I, I, no, I, I don't want Kiefer. I knew, I knew, I knew him by, I want my boy back. I didn't know, yeah, David Hayter. I, did not, I, didn't, I don't know Kiefer's, Kiefer's name. Like, I knew Jack Bauer. <laughs> Jack I mean, Bauer, he, 24. I, I, he's still very controversial of me to say he didn't do a bad job as Snake, but he's not David Hayter. But, um, David um, Hayter also, like... I may be killed if I say the wrong things. I'm trying to th- word this properly. <laughs> David Hayter can be... Unabashedly say your opinion, Saul. But no, I was just saying, David Hayter can all, uh, can sometimes, rightfully so, but sometimes be a big baby about the way he is treated. Yeah, I get that definitely in regards to that series. He well, probably he probably feels like he's... it's, it's I, That's what I said, rightfully so. Yeah, he, it, he felt like he was just taken out for no reason. It's almost as much of his baby as it is Kojima's. You know uh, what I, no. The reason I say that is, I mean, you got to think about this. When you are the main character of a game and you've voiced these characters across so many games, you've grown with this character in the same way, and he's one of the most consistent characters. He also, like, in the live action parts of 4, he little, like when he played it as Snake, like mm-hmm. that was dope. Yeah. But, like, there's, there's a couple instances I've seen of him, and it's just kind of like one of those things that it's like reality ripping like it's just like man i looked up to him and now he's doing this i don't like that yeah i understand like gut-wrenching but i would say that you know obviously you want to bring the game up to modern production values like what blue point did with uh, shadow the colossus man that's it that's that's what i would have them do If, if they were doing it i would have them basically res up everything to what it should be and play exactly the same. I That's would see. It. I would I, not have them touch anything else except remastering the voice as, files and audio files and making them higher now, quality. 
remastering the audio, I'm with you. Or at least doing what they did with Crash Bandicoot, where it really was the exact same songs, the exact same instruments, but they just completely re-recorded them so that, that would they be sounded cool too. right. Yeah. Uh, because I you they are could do some of the vocals. Because remastering, the, well, they could at least pull the vocals, remaster the vocals on top of new music. That way it mostly sounds better. Because the thing about remastering music like that, whenever you're pulling it back, it's heavily compressed. It was trying to fit on the yeah. CD. Maybe if they have the master files. I, it just it depends because the crash situation was weird. They I'm lost. I'm curious a lot of if stuff. they have the master files. I don't think Blue Point's gonna. I'm not. I don't think Blue Point's working on that though. But I don't know if they are either. But let's just say they are. I do still think that as far as voiceover comes. I do think if you can get as much of the original cast as possible to just come in and with how voice acting has grown as an art, come in and redo all their own lines, just like they did with Crash Bandicoot. They had the same voice actors come in, redo the same lines, but it, it sounded a lot better because voice acting is A, the capturing technology of voice is way better and it would just sound more believable and real right but i also think that voice acting is better understood and that people do a better job of conveying a better a, a stronger array of emotions than they used to and not coming off cheesy necessarily and now i mean if you really want the cheesy vibe to stay in there it'd be cool to include either the original voiceovers or the new one but animation work would be really weird in that so somebody, probably not somebody correct me if i'm wrong but i can't remember if it was hideo's uh reasoning or if it was kojima or kojima I don't remember if it was Hideo's reasoning or if it was Konami's reasoning on um, replacing rep- Hater. Yeah, like kicking him out. But so somebody correct me if 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 I'm wrong. But like I don't if it's of course if it's Konami, it's not gonna they wouldn't be able to get him back. I highly doubt he would go back. I mean, he might. What's cool is um. Oops. No Kotaku. I do not want. I wouldn't want. I wouldn't want them to waste the money that they spent on Kiefer Sutherland realistically that was not a and and i don't i honestly don't see the point of moving to him so i would not want to see Kiefer sutherland as snake in this one um if, no, it, if it's no. going to come down to getting if if they can't get david Hayter back to re-record his lines and just keep it all original yeah and i mean i would be fine well it's a different or use this as no. an opportunity to reboot the franchise and find a new snake i don't know that people would be happy with that that's uh that's the part that you run the risk of is that it's like rebooting the series, but not, you know, it's like you're remaking it, but you're using it as an opportunity to introduce new people as voice actors. But I think most people would get mad about that. So I don't know. That's a good question. Interesting. Though. Cause so, I can't think of what else I'd want them to change. A couple things though, that I just saw is if that, at all. uh, I thought, I thought I, for some reason thought that they really knew each other in real life and were friends, but, um, who Kiefer? No, 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 no. Or, uh, uh, David Hayter and Kojima. I mean, but, I'm sure they met at least well, once. Well, refer, referring back to this, and that, that, they probably did meet at least, but he says, I don't know him as a person, but as a businessman, I was not impressed. So you know what? I, maybe some of his stuff that he said was a little more... Um, words. Why can't I speak of them? Um, maybe a little more warranted for his hate towards uh, Kojima. But see, I always thought... I always thought that somebody revealed that it was Konami having the back end of that decision. You know, Troy Baker did a really good job as a revolver ocelot in five. Yeah, like you're a right. Really good job. I've heard it. Obviously, I didn't play the game, but I've heard it, and it, it was pretty solid. Yeah, I'll give you that. He's a good voice actor, though, oh, and I'm I'm, I'm excited for his character in Death Stranding. I can't think. I I mean, I guess the other one thing, and then we can move off of that. Do what they did with Shadow of the Colossus in. Oh, I think I'll say Snake Eater. No, do what they did with Shadow of the Colossus in trying to do something that feels. 
reminiscent and true to the way the game, the original game, moved and felt on a of controller. Course. Yes, but bring it up to a more modern standard. Because I will say, the last time, and it's been a while since I played MGS One, it plays really roughly in terms of controlling. It's very clunky. I don't remember that. I played it on Vita. Not too long ago. Maybe maybe on maybe on again. Vita they did something. To be fair, I, no, I, I was don't know. Say Vita, it's clunky because how loose the analog sticks are on the Vita. Yeah, but they I don't a, remember. They got a weird dead zone, but they're still better than an analog nub. They are that they are. Um, but, um, I don't know. That's that's a good question. Back when I replayed it on GameCube, which is of course Twin Snakes. To be fair, yeah, um, yeah. So that kind of is that's invalid now that I talked about. It. Now that I said it out loud, I was like, wait, no, that's kind of different. A little bit different, actually. Little, a lot of bit different. Quite a bit different, yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I'd be interested in uh, in seeing what they would do. Um, next up, though, we have our good bit buddy Shoko. Uh, he says, "What do you think is the best thing about playing video games, and what is the worst?" I think this is a very simple question for me to answer because there's not a lot. There's not like really a lot of ways to go about this, but like the the best thing about video games is that they're they're there to help you fill a void, whether you're not in a good mood, whether you're sad, whether you're bored. They're there to help you feel better when you need to feel better. But the worst video, the worst part about video games is the opposite in which uh, there's nothing that you feel like playing and then that void comes back. Like whether you're bored or you're sad or depressed. And, you know, I'm trying to think of the perfect time it happened to me. And I want to say it was during summer of 2008. Um,. I was in summer school with my friend Jesse and it was, it just sucked going to summer school, you know, and you're going into your senior year of high school and you had to go to summer school over um, something incredibly stupid. But I remember waking up every morning, having to go to school and I was in this funk. I was playing crisis core and um, you rolled credits on crisis core and you're like, what do I do with my life? Yeah. It's the same way with near uh, this, the second. And I do mean the, like not even the second, but the, the, I'd say 30 minutes before rolling credits on a top on near two. Um, <laughs> like I was fighting back okay. laughter, tears, like, and I, like it got done. The credits rolled. I saw the final ending, like, Secret I'm not gonna ending. Say, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to say much about it, but <clears throat> I saw that everything there was to see in that game. And I remember sitting there staring at my TV, and I was like, the, I stared at it long enough for the controller to time out and, di- and disconnect. That's and 10 minutes. Like, what now? Yeah, and I'm just like, well, don't know what I, like, I kind of want to jump back in, but at the same time, I'm like, no, I'm just going to save this. You know, it's wild you say that. That's actually a really similar response I had to the end of Crisis Core. When that final movie rolls, yeah, that, and then it hits, and then it starts playing the credits, and I normally don't sit there and just stare at credits. I'll normally try and skip them, and I just kind of sat there and looked at my PSP screen, like, "Wow, okay." I should have hacked my Vita so I could play it. I went ahead and upgraded to three point six nine, which is unhackable. Boy, yeah. Um, oh well, you did it to yourself. I did, but I was <laughs> wanting to play Final Fantasy ten, and you know, well, you could play Final Fantasy Crisis Core, arguably a better game. I don't know if that's true. Actually, I think that that is true for me personally. I was going to say, yeah, there's a lot of ties there. But what about, what about you, Brett? Like, what is the worst and best thing about video games? Mine are a little interesting. Uh, I'm going to go with worst first. Um, <clears throat> actually, you know what? I'm going to go with best first because it's going to make even more sense as to why it pulls to the, what my worst thing is. Uh, the best thing about video games to me is the ability, even though they don't always hit it, their ability to be... Currently, now VR is starting to change that a little bit, and it depends on whether you use it as a game or a movie or what. And the thing is, VR can now do it without games. But as far as the existing long-term, what we've been doing over a long time, I consider it 
to be to have the ability to be the penultimate form of entertainment. And what I mean by that is it can do things that music and movies and books just can't necessarily do as individuals because of what they are. One's entirely in your mind as a book. Uh, it's, it's entirely imaginatory. It's, it's, you know, it's utilizing your brain and it's fun to read because of that. Yeah. Um, music is fun because you get to listen to it. And it's, it's, it's all, yeah, you get to think about it and you get to understand what you're hearing, but you all hear it and you consume it that way. Uh, movies do have the benefit between those two of being both audio and visual. Even though I think that there's the argument for music that music can be visual when you sit down with an album and you look at the album art and you're kind of doing this thing where you listen to the songs in order and you just kind of look at the album art and see what they were trying to think of when they were doing that, which is cool. And I like doing that. Um, that's why I partially like buying vinyls. It's like you get to sit there, put the vinyl in and kind of look at the album art and then pull it out and be like, this is, this it's is a physical experience. Yeah, it is. It's yeah. very different. And it's the only way that music becomes really visual except for being at a concert because you know, it's tied in that way. But yeah. typically music, at least as we've, you know, or music videos, of course. It, yeah, which is it, interesting to kind of talk about. That's true, and that, there's an art in that. But most songs don't get music videos, so that's what we're going to say. But anyway, movies as a general thing have the benefit of being both audio and visual, uh, and they can do a lot. But the thing that gaming does is it can add <clears throat> either agency or just direct control, which somehow, <clears throat> excuse me, which somehow gives this weird ability to convey that much more presence and importance to a character and build that much more of a relationship with a character who otherwise wouldn't be seen. And my, one of my perfect examples of this, and I'm not going to completely spoil, I promise. And this is, I, I wouldn't consider any of this a spoil personally. Um, but a game that does this to a really great effect is the last of us. Uh, and as much as anybody wants to say about the rest of the game, it doesn't matter to what this particular scene does. And this is part of why I say it makes gaming so such a great medium because you can't really do this in, in, a, in, a, in a movie. Yeah. The beginning Taking it, a movie can't, you can focus on one person and there can be a main character, but typically movies are not going to be able to put you behind somebody. They, you see everybody, you know what I mean? And you get to see their moments and it feels like it's focusing on them, but it doesn't feel the same as you being them or controlling them in, in, in a way that you relate to them differently. So when you're playing as Sarah in the beginning of The Last of Us and the whole beginning of the game, all of the weird things going on, the you know, the fact that the city's going under and you're hearing these explosions and you're alone, uh, you feel more for her. Cause you're like, wow, what's, what's, what is going on when you first were playing the game? And you don't even know. It's like, what's going on? Yeah. You're, Why are these things going? Where's, where is my dad? Yeah, if I was in the shoes of her perfectly. Yeah. So what ends up happening and where a couple of games, uh, that I've mentioned elsewhere end up faltering. Uh, but you know, this is more about what video gaming does well is that, the ability to put you in her shoes to where you care about her when it happens, uh, and we know what we're talking about here, but when that moment happens, that moment would not have been strong if they showed you all that through cutscenes or no. through, or from Joel's perspective. It only works because of the fact that the game could take control already. Gamings are, you know, the fact that you can control them is already there, but they can shift it into the, the perspective of you playing from another character. And then what it can do is give that character more meaning and more weight so that when something actually does happen to them, 
it matters that much more to you. And that's something that movies can do by building over long periods of time. But the fact that the game could do that just in about, you know, 35, 45 minutes max. Excuse me. Uh, is impressive. It was less than that. Yeah. I mean, maybe. Like that's what I'm minutes. saying. So, the, But the fact that it can do that to you and by the time that that's rolled, you're kind of like, I can't believe that hit me as hard as it did. Yeah. It, it literally like belts you in for the rest of the ride. Yeah. It's really, it's, it's really interesting and it cements the rest of the experience. And that's something that I don't personally feel like movies can do the same agree. Now, movies have a lot of other directions they can go and you see that with games mimicking movies to an extent uh, are trying to in certain areas and obviously movies are something to aspire towards being too because they have their own things that are interesting about them because of the fact that you don't have to worry about controlling a character but with all that being said I think that gaming is just really interesting and can do so many things for me to the point that they are my main form of entertainment <clears throat> music probably is just because of the nature of being able to listen to it and do it while you're doing anything else and I do love music but gaming as a visual definitely is my primary source I don't watch a lot of movies or TV um, gaming does that for me Whenever I, that's why I like stories so much in gaming I think I mentioned that before uh, but when you're kind of using that that segues into what the worst thing about gaming is, is it has the ability to be so amazing that it just pulls you in and gropes you into the point where you're just spending massive amounts of time doing it. Well, the downside of that, and it really is truly the worst thing about gaming to me, is the amount of time that you end up wasting because of it that you could have been spending potentially doing other things that you have interest in. I do think that is a, a valid point. Like A lot of people don't realize that, and this isn't the same for everybody, because some people will, will regret the time they spent in video gaming if they ever leave it. Oh, yeah. If you could imagine, like, you could probably be a doctor at Harvard with the amount of time I've spent playing video games in my life. Yeah, true. And that's more doing it in the quantitative of, like, well, that's just something that most people would aspire to be that's, that's good. But even let's just take it to something that I personally enjoy doing. Even if it wouldn't have gotten me anywhere bigger... Do, would I have a personal enjoyment in just knowing that for all the hours that I spent playing games, sometimes games I didn't, I ended up not even loving that much, but I was like, I'll see it through to the end. I could have instead put that game down and the eight hours I would have spent playing that game to the end, I could have done eight hours of guitar playing and I could have gotten eight or hours better out, guitar playing know, yeah. or eight hours of, yeah, of working out. But that's out. the thing that like we, like, that's what we enjoy doing. So yeah. therefore it's fulfilling. It's always a sacrifice. You know, you find where the sacrifice is at and you just find the line of where it's worth it. And then hopefully you're not so addicted to games. Cause I mean, it is an addiction, even the fact that you want to go and do them but it's about being able to control them it's enough like, to go okay well I want to do something different yeah. like you know last Sunday I ended up not playing games all day and that's normally weird for me I don't normally go an entire day without playing games but I had other stuff to do and I wanted to spend time with my family and then I wanted to get some stuff done around the house and I was like I'm going to make a I, I didn't even have to think about it I just didn't play games and it felt good in a weird way yeah. because like I'm saying the worst thing about gaming is that it pulls you from doing other things that are either important to you because they're a hobby of yours or important to you because it's like I like my house to be clean or I like to improve something. It's like there's a, there's a sense of feeling you get from doing things with your own hand in the real world versus a game that, yeah, the games get to show you yourself doing things that you'd never be able to do. Like, you know, I can't hold two whips as Fury and Darksiders 3 and whip somebody's head on. I can't do that. It's just how it is, you know? Flaming whips don't even exist. But my point being is that I mean, as cool can. as that is, there's something that's also rewarding about going into this back room and pulling on the carpet up and preparing it for, what oh, yeah. you know? So it's... It's nice. I, it's I like, like doing it. It's kind of like why I liked when we did those perler beads for for a while there, because it was one of those things that like it took forever to get like a, do a big one, but then you after you get it done and you look at it, you're like, wow, and you have a product that looks yeah. really cool. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's, uh, it's just the ability to sap away time. It's a sad one, but uh, next sorry, up, sorry for all the sniffling. <clears throat> yeah, me too. I'm a little sick. Um, if you were a character in a game, what genre would you be? This comes from Matthew. <laughs> I don't understand this question. <laughs> me either. I think he may have meant to word this slightly different. I, so I'm going to answer it uh, 
we if it is the in my head the way that he was supposed to say it is that if you're a character in a game what character would you be um i've said before not s pretty spot on uh, yeah so but if he says if he wants to know what genre of gaming i would be i'd like to be horror like do you feel like that fits your personality i mean not really but like i like horror stuff so i mean yeah i think if i had to go with what games would most match my personality I think something along the lines of like a action adventure game like Uncharted where I'm just making a bunch of quips the whole time and making dumb jokes and messing with people and then disappointing people. <laughs> uh, so Leisure Suit Larry. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that one too. But no, I, I think that that one, that just seems to be pretty in line with my general personality. I think that's whenever I'm around and definitely when I'm around other people, I tend to just make a bunch of dumb jokes. I like to do that. It's fun for me, so I'm gonna. That's a weird question. If you want to uh, go in a little bit further, Matthew, and tell us what you're meaning exactly, we'll uh, we'll hear you back out. We may even re-answer. We'll see. Yeah, after this episode <laughs> goes live, you'll see the reader mail tweet on Twitter. Go ahead and go ahead and ask us there again. We'll we'll, we'll be happy to answer it. Uh, next question is: What are your opinions on the PS Vita? What could Sony have done to make it a commercial success? What games or ports would you have made would have made the Vita a good seller? Uh, Shadow, one of our good friends over there on Twitter. So we've talked about this kind of at length before in a couple of episodes, actually. We've done a uh, Vita episode. We've done a What We Want to See in a Vita 2 episode. And then we've done, we've kind of talked about it that, like, for me to simply say it, it is that I I blame Sony, number one, uh, for the way that they handled the Vita. They, They are the sole reason the Vita failed. I am a huge fan of the Vita. The Vita still to this day has games that is worth playing that everybody should play, uh, especially if you're a fan of JRPGs. That should be your home right there. But um, in terms of everything else, I think that if if it just had stronger first-party support, that would be what made um, it not only have a commercial success, but as as well as a a strong seller. Because those things, of course, go hand-in-hand. But, like, that... you know, I mean, I'm I love with, it. I, yeah, but. I'm with you. I, I love the console. It's it it is my favorite handheld to date. I mean, absolutely. Uh, now, of course, it, that's tough competition because you know nostalgia plays heavy on other things like the Game Boy SP and the Game Boy Advance. Even oh, though I yeah. consider them more the same, they're the same generation. Oh, they uh, are. So the Game same Boy console. Advance era, though, uh, had a lot of stuff for me and a lot of pull. Uh, but Nintendo's always had a problem hitting me in, in the right areas because of the games that I actually like to play. So the PSP prior to the Vita was my favorite console for a long time when it came to the handhelds uh, because the PSP, A, mine was modded so I could play everything I wanted to anyway, but it just had a literal, like, just a crazy breadth of games to play of all types and a lot of them are really great quality and up until that point it was the first time that you were getting somewhat console like experience on the go it felt like yeah. playing a PS2 on the go and that was amazing uh, and they did a lot with that they really took advantage of like you know what we're going to make handheld games and then you have games like um, we talked about Crisis Core uh, on a handheld and that's what Davida tried to do and did a little differently it's taking console quality gaming and that means like graphical output and stuff like that uh, and obviously making sure that you have good writing and stuff like that but what it did a little worse uh, on the Vita than the PSP was trying to make your games designed in such a way that they could be done in bite sized areas but not feel weird to do so yeah so like crisis core is a perfect example of there's a lot of meat to crisis core and there's a lot of stories going on but you can play crisis core in little five to ten minute beats and 
it makes sense. Uh, it tries to give you narrative information and, and in a lot of different ways and not do it all heavily at once. So you wouldn't have to feel like you're stopping in the middle of something, uh, to get that narrative so that you don't feel like you're dropping it and having to come back and not completely understand. But that game did a lot of things where it was like, we're going to make sure that the design behind the game will let you play it for short bursts uh, and then come back to it and still enjoy it all the way through. But you can also play it in long bursts and it makes just as much sense. Uh, that, not really handled the same way on Vita, even though Uncharted was amazing. I think Uncharted was a game that really demanded you to play it for at least an hour or so at a time. Uh, I think a lot of the games are like that. I think that there's an argument for maybe Persona being a, a decent setup to where you could play it bit by bit. You have obviously ports like Disgaea that handled that, and that's where the game, that's where the system continued to thrive, but it didn't get the same amount of games that were built that way as the PSP did. And it also didn't get the third-party backing that the PSP did. We didn't see the Rockstar teams uh, go and develop any form of a uh, mobile Grand Theft Auto. We didn't get uh, a... That would have been cool. <clears throat> yeah, we did not get a Infamous game. And I really... And there was talks about an Infamous game. And I really think an open-world Infamous game on there, A, is possible. Would have been possible. And in a good way. Gravity Rush showed us that with the right tweaking, you can pull it off. Um, and... Yeah. I think that they could have pushed that even further considering the Gravity Rush was a launch game and they could have made a really compelling infamous game on the go and it would have been a really good example of how you try and set it up again to where if you made the game right, you can design it to where you can do these things in four to five minute, maybe 10 minute max burst uh, and feel like you can drop it and pick it back up and you would have made a great selling point. So that's a, definitely a series I would have wished to see on there. I wouldn't want a port of Infamous because again, you don't no. want a game of that, that scale because you probably could have done with a lot of work, you probably could have tried to get some form of infamous seconds. I mean, infamous uh, one on there, not seconds on. I was gonna uh, say because <clears throat> they did put open world games on there. They put uh, Spider Man, and they did a lot of work for the Amazing Spider Man, the very first one. To get on it on Vita, there. yeah, it's on there. Oh, uh, and it looks wow. okay for a Vita game. I mean, don't wrong. They did a lot of scaling back and learning where to Wasn't go. What most wanted technically an open world game too. Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, there's plenty of good world one, games but... on there. Uh, but those are games I actually think Spider Man's a good example of short burst too. But, yeah, I think that if Sony ever makes another console, another handheld console, my basic wish is that they give it more than two years. <laughs> I hate you. Uh, <laughs> audio listeners, he's moving the controller, and I hate it. Um, but, yeah, I think that they can do a lot with that by just supporting it more than two years. Really give yeah. it more than two years to, to find its legs. I get that eventually it's a drop, something that's not going well. But they did not do what Nintendo did with the 3DS when the 3DS was failing. What Nintendo did when the 3DS was underperforming... They buckled down. Well, they buckled down, and they made sure that not only to release something that was, a, that was cheaper, bigger... Uh, a little easier to look good on. It was more comfortable to people. They also made sure that even though they launched with a lackluster lineup, realistically, they came through and were like, what can Very we do to get games going? Right? They, and they didn't have a lot of third-party support up front. No. Uh, they when they could have. I mean, so they buckled down in every area that mattered. They got all the third-party support they needed. They bucked up their first party to support it in ways that gave us great games, uh, like what you saw in um, you know Link Between Worlds. Uh, you saw great first-party support in the Mario sphere, even though I personally don't care for Mario. Mario. Not not a first party, but um, oh man, oh man, Rune Factory Four. Oh yeah, gross. Yeah. so good. Oh, anyway, but the, and that was great. That, that was great third party support. So I think that we could see them pull that off. It's just going to take them really caring. And I think that the reason it 
that it, the flip happened between the two is that uh, Nintendo needed the 3DS to survive. Uh, by the time that PlayStation 4 was selling really big, Sony realized they didn't need the Vita to survive. So no. it was okay to drop it. Which is sad. So that's why you have that, that, that distinction between the two, though. The Wii U was already failing, and you saw the Wii U not get a lot going. Yeah, right? but- so, and to be fair, it was Wii at the time that the 3DS launched. Uh, but the Wii was already on its way down to, they were like, we can't rely on the Wii. Uh, the Wii will hopefully do better. But then when it came out and didn't, they were like, okay, we've got to keep trucking on this 3DS thing. And you see that carry all the way through to now. They've put so much stock in the 3DS, they continue to release new games exclusively for 3DS. Now, it killed me that Luigi's Mansion 3, I think, or what, the new Luigi's Mansion game is on 3DS. Yeah. But they're remaking one on Switch, if I remember correctly. I think it's the inverse. I think that the remake is on uh, no, the, the remake was already on 3DS. You could go buy it right now. Okay, well, maybe. Anyway, my point being that it was very odd to pull it off that way, but you see the difference in, in a strategy between the two companies because of what the companies needed. Nintendo's been known as a handheld company. Sony traditionally wasn't. And since their home console was doing what they wanted to, they could drop it. But I hope that if they ever go a handheld of any sort route again, they just learn that abandoning it is not the way to go. Yeah. Just doing one push and then waiting to see what happens is not how you go. You do one push and then you have another push right behind it that you're already developing on and you keep going and keep seeing what it's going to do. You can't do this one big push and then wait to see what happens because then you get a lull of games. It doesn't look good for third parties. They don't think that you're wanting to support your own stuff, so why would they want to support it? Uh, and then, of course, memory proprietary memory. Uh, yeah. That's a big thing that I think that they will move away from. I think they've learned that, but we'll see. We will see. Uh, next, next question one. from Mr. Richard. He says, how long do you see GameStop continuing to do business and what can they do to remove their bad reputation? Man, that's a hell of a question because that could be its own topic. They're really GameStop is an interesting company. And I know a lot of people that work there and I've worked there personally in the past. And you look at what they're doing. They're trying to diversify in every single way possible so that when the inevitable day comes that they are no longer really needed as a storefront, uh, for games and systems specifically that they can put that and maybe keep it as a backup thing, but they are already trying with this thank geek acquisition they made years ago. Uh, and if you look at their stores, uh, more and more of their wall space is being removed game wise. And they're putting more of it either together in a small bundle and putting some of it in the back. Uh, but they're doing way more collectibles. Uh, it doesn't look like they're, uh, pr- they're, uh, Oh Lord publishing division is going anywhere no uh, games trust they had a bunch of bad runs partially because of weird ways that they did about giving their own game out everybody got deformers for free a lot of people got song of the deep was that song of the deep. Right? yeah, yeah it, that it was cool. good no it's a good it game. looks cool i just no, and it did okay it wasn't interesting it did okay but people ended up getting it free because they were trying to give it to everybody at gamestop employee wise yeah uh then they did it even worse with Deformers, where they all you Deformers was, just like activated the code for everybody. Yes, it was really bad. Uh, so oh. they haven't had great luck there. I think that their biggest thing that they're trying to do right now is that they're trying to find a way uh, to minimize, maximize their profits. You see this in the fact that they are doing away, which is also something Best Buy did. They did away their Gamers Club or whatever it was called, um, which is terrible. And you saw the same thing happen with GameStop. Uh, they've done and away Amazon. now with their uh, Pro Elite. Which is ridiculous. Like, I like, I understand why. For those that don't know, it's because they weren't the making systems, enough money. Oh, the system also can't handle it either. Yeah, true. Uh, but they weren't making enough money. They were literally losing more than they were gaining because of it. It was an uns- it was an unsustainable business model, and that makes sense. I mean, they're 
when you're thinking about giving everybody 20% off. Well, they should at least bring back the renting the game as a, as a part. I, I do think, and I think that that's something that may end up happening. You yeah, know what I mean? It does, yeah. Like that, I will sign up for, you know, 60 bucks a year for that to yeah. rent a game, you know, We'll weekly. see. Well, I, I'm surprised that that got so much attention. Honestly, had positive attention regarding the potential for it, and then it came out one day and then left. Yeah. Uh, something had to have happened where maybe their system wasn't able to handle it the way they thought. Yeah, it just I don't, crashed. I don't know, probably. but they definitely... I think it's interesting for them to have done that when they had consumers on their side for once. You know, they are uh, widely, uh, you know, they're not very well seen. Like you say, they got a bad reputation. I don't know how to get away from it. They do. And I think that uh, I'd give them 10 years of state open if they did not, less than 10 years, if they did not have all of the deals they have with developers, publishers, and and companies. That's the catch 22, right? Part of how they can get rid of their bad reputation would be. To stop doing all these pre-ordered bonuses that they do that are exclusive to them, everybody could stand to do that. But if they were the one person to be like, we're not doing that anymore, we consider that anti-consumer, it would look great for PR for them and it would be a great benefit to them in terms of the way that people see them so their reputation would improve. But the thing is, that's probably the stuff keeping them in business. Well, yeah. And so a lot it's of people- the catch-22 of you may get a bad reputation from it. But you need it to stay in business, so you just... And a lot of people also forget that uh, Game Informer is quite literally a monstrous beast of gaming in terms that of they a also website own. and a magazine, and they own that. And, so. they're, and they're doing well. I'm surprised that they're still printing magazines, and I they do two, well. I don't know what's going on. I get two a month now. I get the same. <laughs> every, every time my issue comes in, I get two of them. It's happened that way for six months now. Are they both on your name? They're both on my name. Great. I don't know what, what's going on, but boy, y'all gonna go bankrupt if y'all keep doing this. Uh, let's see. Next question we have... Corey, our good friend Corey, aka Crash in Discord, we've heard a lot of your favorite games throughout your life and throughout the podcast. I want to know the inverse. What are a couple games you thought were absolute garbage? Very unpopular opinion here, but uh, Final Fantasy VII: Dirge of Cerebrus was garbage, hot garbage. Um, Brett, I think we actually talked about this. You kind of said you didn't really have any, right? Yeah, and I'm gonna kind of say the reason why. I think that I have been lucky enough to avoid the games that probably truly deserve the the moniker. Uh, I did not play Ride to Hell, whatever the game was. Re- Re- uh, Ride to Hell Retribution, yeah. Or whatever the hell it was called. That really that terrible either. game. I tend to avoid like really bad games. I think as a kid, though, Dirge like really let me down with the constant frame rate issues and freezing issues I had. That makes sense. The fact that I didn't experience that might be why we consider that so different. And who knows? I could have got like a dirty disc. It was brand new, but like, you know, might have scuffed my disc or something. Who knows? I don't think so. Your PS2 may have had a weird disc reader that for some reason wasn't working with that game. There's any number of experiences. But I've I've generally got to say, look, there are bad games. There just are. Of course there is. I tend to be lucky enough to avoid them because I do a lot of research. I look at gameplay. uh, And... Here's the thing. I don't think I've ever bought a game that when I put it in after doing all the research I did, I was like, oh, my God, this is garbage. Now, I can say this isn't as good as I was, as I was hoping it was going to be. It's not great, so I'm probably not going to finish it. Or I want to finish it, but I'm a little disappointed that it wasn't. It didn't quite hit the expectations I had for it. That happens. It just does. Um, but the flip side of that is also sometimes you go into games and you're just like, oh, my God, that was way better than I even could have imagined. So my typical thing is I'm willing to give any game their chance. And luckily, I've not been burned enough to just say that I absolutely hate a game. I honestly and legitimately mean this. I cannot think of a game that I've played that I was like, this is just not a good game in any sense of the word. I don't like World of Warcraft at all. World of Warcraft is an obviously well-made game. It is an obvious game that some people would like. I I don't think I've ever looked at a game and just been like, 
no one would like this. I don't. I don't know what that is. I'm, I consider myself lucky that I've not had to experience that. Some of it's that when games aren't great, I'm not incredibly harsh on them. I'm actually find that I'm more harsh on games that I really like. Be, and the obvious outlier is going to be people saying the order. Oh, I think I'll say Spider Man. Obviously, I. I've said many a time the order is not a perfect game and I can list off a number of reasons as to why it's not a perfect game, but I can also list off a number of reasons as to why it is not a two out of 10. And that's basically my, my standpoint when I really like a game, uh, I tend to be more critical of it because it was so good that the few things that hampered that experience stick out to me more than when a game is just kind of overall man because, it's like, you know, when the game's already man and something else just ends up being kind of, you just, it's like par for the course. You're like, yeah. yeah, okay, I expected this. But when a game is going so great and then it does one thing or two things or three things that just pull you away from that whole feeling of like, oh my God, how is this so good? That's when I find myself being a little critical. And I think that some people consider that to just be literal criticisms and like a little too harsh on games. Every one of those games that I do that to, me talking about in that sense should tell you I love the game and I just wanted to see it do a little bit better. And I'm, I mean, that's generally my philosophy behind games. Brett wasn't mad. He was just disappointed. <laughs> yeah, I'm basically the disappointed parent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I understand. Like, I, there are games that I, I, I typically avoid, like, bad games. It's not hard in this day and age. Um, pretty much a review thread will go up on Reddit. You just go through, look at all the scores through all the websites. Did that today with Mario Party. Pretty easy to, to do. It's, it's very rare that I will. Like, just randomly buy a game. Oh, Mass Effect did drop it. It's hot garbage. There's one. Even then, I'm going to be dead honest with you, dude. The game is not hot garbage. It's, uh, it's hot garbage no, it is. In, in the context of being a Mass Effect game. No, yeah, no, it's hot garbage as a game. Uh, yeah, dude, I honestly I played, like, it, listen, I, I played listen. like six hours of that game, no problem. I took that game Eight back and got Watch Dogs 2, and I still was happy with that decision. I mean, it's fine. I just, don't get me wrong, bad game and a lot of decisions that shouldn't have happened from a AAA studio. But game. take it out of the context of what it should have been. It's still not an awful game. I tried to like it. I it had an okay story. Had decent presentation. <laughs> no, it didn't. Not, 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 not when I played it, it didn't. I know they fixed it. Since nah, I even then, I played it at launch too. My point being is that if this was an unknown studio and this was their first game, a lot of these would have been overlooked. It'd be more understanding. But yeah, that, you'd be overlooked. That's what I mean. That's, that's why I say the game company. is not hot garbage. The situation surrounding its it ending up that way was. But that inherently makes it hot garbage. I don't know. I don't quite know that I agree with that. I think a bad game is just bad. I think, okay, this way, right? A bad game, regardless of who developed it, when it was put out, what system or whatever, when you just play it, you don't know anything else about the game. And you just look at it and you're like, this is a bad game. That's a truly bad game. When you look at Mass Effect... No, that's what I... That's, hold that's on, my thoughts. Hold on. Do you really honestly believe that if you had never known that it was anything to do with Mass Effect... Like I was a, a control group person, right? And I brought you into a room and I said, hey, I want you to play this game for two hours or an hour Mass or whatever. Effect. And I, would, I say, it's a brand new game from a brand new studio that you don't know anything about. Do you really think that you... Now, I, I'm, again, that game is not even close to a 7. It's probably like a 5 out of 10, even like if you completely discount everything about who came out with it. But the game works. See, that's my issue, is that I was having frame drops. Yeah. I had problems with the expressionless faces on a lot of on a lot of people. I could not get immersed into it. I could not care about the story due to the voice acting. It, there's a yeah. lot of yeah. fundamental okay. flaws that had nothing to do with it being Mass Effect. It felt decidedly double A. No, it didn't. It felt like, I, like well, even then, F. 
I think you're exaggerating a little I bit, but either way, I get your point. I don't know that I can quite, and maybe that's just maybe my, my maybe my personality trait is I'm too forgiving of things, maybe too forgiving so. of things when they're bad. But I truly cannot think of a game I've ever played that just that was that. Even too human, as bad of a game as it really that, that could, can be. That, now, see, that's what I'll admit. That game's not as bad as cool it visual makes it style, to be. decent combat, the controls but it was cool. disappointing. The controls were cool in that game. Yeah, it was like twin stick almost. Yeah, the art. The, I like the art style a lot. I mean, it was twin stick actually, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was a fine game. It just wasn't what everybody who's excited for it. But it wasn't 10 years in the making. Good. No. And that's, again, you frame these things and it's impossible not to, but you try and be as objective as you can. That's why I say when you look back and say that two human came out and it wasn't a game that had been developed for 10 years, you didn't know anything about who was making it. And it just came out and it was a game on the shelf and it said two human and you played it. You'd be like, ah, it's not great, but you know, whatever. Yeah. Like you, you may even be like, I wish I wouldn't have spent my money on it, but does that mean it's bad? Or did it just mean that it just wasn't good enough? And that is not inherently bad, no, in my opinion. Yeah, I was going to say it was Like, I am fairly bad. positive if I played that Ride to Hell Retribution game, I would be able to leave that experience and go, no, this is a bad game. That's how I felt with Mass Effect. That's, I, you have that. You rock it, Saul. I want to rock it with the 99% of other people in the population that played that game. Okay. This is not a minority. Let's see. Uh, Richard again asks, what are your favorite arcade memories? Um I'm going to be one of those weird people. I did not get to go to the arcade a lot as a kid. And uh, since I missed the height of the arcade being incredibly cool because of games being there, because I'm only 25, um, I'm going to say that my favorite ones basically come just from screwing around with friends in the mall at the Silver Ball. That's pretty much the only arcade we had, and it was very mediocre. Uh, I never got to experience a true arcade. See, I, I'm, and that's sad, but it is what it is. Well, I'm weird with this one because I worked at Silver Ball for, uh, coincidentally enough, the summer I was in summer school. But... Um, that one, I really, you know, going there younger, like way younger, was kind of cool. But what I really liked was that when me and Seth, my younger brother, when we were like, I don't know, 10 and 12, we used to go, uh, you know, my dad would have to go to work every day. Mm-hmm. And he would get off work till 6 or 7. So he would t- wake us up at like 6.30 a.m. And, of course, when you're that young, it's like gung-ho, you're, you know, you, you're <laughs> up. And uh, he would take us to my mom's house. And, like, we would be up all day. And uh, she used to go to Walmart at like 8 a.m. She used to go to Walmart like right after Ed would leave, uh, yeah. my stepdad. And of course, when you're eight, when you're, you know, 10, 12 years old or younger, a little bit younger, or maybe and sometimes a little bit older, because uh, this was like pretty much a summer thing for like half a decade for us. But you go to Walmart, you're bored, you go to like the little arcade center they have. Yeah. And, yeah, in the front of the store. Uh, I had to Google it because I, th- I thought it was called Wave Rider, but it was called Wave Runner, and it is uh, that jet ski game that you sit on like this jet ski or whatever. Yeah. That was always fun. So that's You know my- what? I do have an answer, and it was the only time I've ever actually gone. It's weird that y- you think about these things over time. The first time I ever played Hydro Thunder that wasn't on Dreamcast was in an arcade with my dad. And... I think that we didn't get to stay long. We were in some oh Jacksonville. I can't remember where we were, uh, but we were driving back, and I was probably eight, if even that. And we had already played a bunch of Hydro Thunder on the uh, Dreamcast, and then we actually managed to play it there, and it was beautiful, and it was really fun because you got to be in the little, uh, you know, the little cockpit thing. That was cool, but. I have a very limited uh, arcade experience. Sadly, yeah, we so. we we have two bowling alleys here, which have like a kind of 
was very it's better now. It's a decent, yeah. It's a, a lot decent, better now than it used to be. Yeah, we uh, we went and played laser tag like six months ago, which me and Annie, once again, very coincidentally, was talking about that today. We should I want to do again. that. It yeah, was super fun. Wait till it cools down because it was hot last time. Yeah. Um, but um, but yeah. So that, I guess that's it. Let's see. This bottom question, I'm gonna let Brett read real quick uh, in his head while I read this other question because I kind of honestly want to save that for a topic because I really like this question. Uh, it doesn't have to be this week, so it could be saved for later. Um, because El Chibi Boy says some of the best questions. But uh, we have Mr. Reddy. And like I said, I hope we're pronouncing your name right. I'm going to assume so, but let us know on Twitter if we're not. He says, uh, how do you feel about Fallout 76 lack gameplay footage? Is this worrying? Why are they not revealing much with the game is just a month away? Are they worried the fans won't like what they'll show? I'm not really worried about it because of the beta. Like the beta only comes out like what a week, two weeks before the game comes out. It's yeah, very it's close. very close. But it, with it being a beta, it is one of those things that's you know I'll get hands on with. So, but isn't it a closed beta? I have no idea. Didn't you have to get selected for it by pre-ordering the game? I, I guess if so. nothing else, that means the people who pre-ordered it will get their time to be hands-on with yeah, it I and either right. decide whether they want to go through with the purchase or not. Yeah, you're right, because I don't, people in Discord were talking about it. Yeah, I don't think I would go as far as to say that they are scared people won't like it. I think I think it's a mixture of holding their cards close to their chest, not showing too much, and I think the other side of not showing that in particular is not because of people genuinely not liking it. I think it's more of a setup of... And, and see what you think about this, Saul. Because it's so different, because Fallout 4, Fallout 76 is so different from the rest of the Fallout pedigree that uh, the, three, the last three Bethesda Fallout games have been, with three New Vegas and four... I think that they're worried to show people because there's going to be this negative group on the internet. They're automatically going to attack the game just because they're wanting to be vocal trolls. Uh, and what's going to happen, it's going to put a negative stigma on the game and people are not going to be willing to take the chance to try something different. Now, don't get me wrong. Of course. I, that, that doesn't mean... And it's going to cause the that, game to potentially fail because of that. Yeah, that doesn't mean... A, I don't think it'll fail anyway because it's Fallout and then Fallout's huge. No, I'm just talking about uh, a general but, example. Yeah, I do, I do get what you mean. Uh, and I think that what it comes down to is that it doesn't mean that the argument that this isn't the fallout that you wanted isn't valid. It's totally valid. Um, yeah. and, that's, and that's fine. The fact that you're getting it this close after four should show you that this is not a normal situation and that this is not, not somehow supplementing what would have otherwise been fallout five. And Todd so, said that specifically. He said, though, they are, this is not the only fallout they're currently working on. Yeah. And so that, like, we, we get that. So, and that's fine. And that's why I think, it, I think it goes to show that they're, what they're hoping is that people buy it on the namesake alone. And then what they do is they go into it and without having this already preconceived negative stigma they instead just try and play the game with as open mind as possible and then they find that they actually do like some of these things when it's not previously painted for them as a bad thing yeah uh, because that's one of the things that happens when you get in somebody's head early enough if these if these naysayers who don't even truly know anything about the game could come out early enough and try and instill a bunch of negative thoughts in your head you automatically kind of keep everybody going in at a of course you're gonna have the people who are the exact opposite of that there's gonna be people that are just so into it that it doesn't matter even if it was bad they'd be like it's good Mm-hmm. But always the counterbalance there is that, you know, they're just trying to keep that at bay, and that happens with everything, you it, know? It's very comparable to Elder Scrolls. Yeah. It may not be the same series you're used to. It may be something different, but that doesn't always mean a bad thing. Yeah, and Elder Scrolls Online got a lot of flack going into it. That's a fun game. And now it's considered a, a big success, and it, it keeps going. So, I mean, what they're trying to do is just do this as a online Fallout so they can prove to you that online Fallout works. So that way, if they ever decide to do something like this again in the future, depending on how long they support this game... 
they have a foundation that you don't right now. Everybody's just in that. I don't quite know what this is, so I don't know if I want it. So I'm scared. Yeah. And the more they show and the more they potentially, and the thing about showing is that they may show what they think is enough, but it may not be enough to tell people that, they may watch it and go, oh, no, that's not what I like, even though they don't get to see the other part that would swing them back over to liking it. You know what I mean? It's like you, you run the risk of showing too much or not enough, and either way, it's it's like a hits 22 of, well, you showed too much, but Excuse at least me. you cemented that they were going to like it, or you showed too little and weren't able to prove that, they would, that yeah. they would like it. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's yeah. pretty agreeable, actually. So, so what do you think? Do you want to go ahead and answer this last one, or would you rather save this? Because um, I have an interesting thought about this, but – I also don't want it to go on super long for what it is. Well, go ahead. I think that this is. I think this is good for this. I see. If you're talking about saving it, saving it for a topic potentially, yeah. I think that this will work better as a as doing it here. Okay, sure. Uh, I don't have a lot to say about this particularly. I mean, I may throughout what you say, but I'm, I'm more curious as to sure. now so, what it is that you think is cool about it. I'll let you. Uh, I mean, it's, a, it's a good question. I'll let you lead but, off with the uh, answer then, since I may drag it on a little bit, but. uh our good buddy El Chabib over there on Twitter. Thank you once again, El Chabib, for all the con words you always say to us. He says, "Do you think brand loyalty goes? Goes? Do you? Th- <laughs> hey, goes? Do you think brand loyalty go- goes into developing games? How come business decisions doesn't affect such of these games? Ori, uh, the developer of Ori, for example, not releasing their games on other consoles with a clear profit margin increase if they did." Um, so I want to make sure that I'm understanding this right because I, I, I think I do, uh, but I'm wanting to make sure I'm not you know, losing the forest for the trees. Um, could you not do that? <laughs> uh, so I hate that sharing with you because you want to delete everything. I sure do. There's I like no to be able to, to reference. No, you're a hoarder. Uh, I like to just reference and then delete it when we're done talking about no, it. No, you're a hoarder. Uh, anyway, so brand loyalty going into developing games. How come th- that the business decisions don't affect the games? So is he saying like, I guess what I'm... what. The way you're perceiving it, how are you perceiving it? So basically exclusive uh, studios that don't exactly have a deal for exclusivity, but they're staying on the platform for other reasons. Okay. So I'm basically with you because you saw that uh, just as an analog to what he's saying here with Ori then, I guess. I don't know the name of that developer. Uh, But Drinkbox did that with the Vita. Yeah. Uh, They specifically stuck to the Vita and even went as far as releasing Sundered, which... Uh, severed, sorry. Uh, though it's a little different because Ori still hasn't left to go to another console yet, though it did have the ability to go to PC, so it's comparable enough. Um, <clears throat> in the fact that... Spooky. <laughs> uh, in the fact, though, that they stuck with the Vita because they... Basically, they had supported the Vita a long time, and then even after Sony dropped it, they continued to support it, and they knew that with the loyalty they had built up for around this one system's user base... They knew that they, that it financially would work for them and probably in their favor to go ahead and make Severed exclusively for Vita initially for that long period it had. And I think what it comes down to in that situation and why this business isn't makes sense to an extent is that first thing is that when, what do you think about with indie games, right? When they're on multi-platform and there's so many of them, they get lost easily. Oh, what yeah. happens if instead you go, hey, I'm only going to come out on this one system? Well, the console manufacturer ends up putting more spotlight on you because you're technically an exclusive for them at that point, right? And I don't know if there's a deal with Ori or not. That's how I'm looking at. They're published. Uh, Microsoft, of course, published Ori in the Blind Forest. Yeah. So, so there is a deal then. It, it would never come to PlayStation at that point. 
so that's that's good. That's good to know. Uh, so that means that when they're looking at this, right, and they had the opportunity to go either multi-platform with it and be an indie and self-publish it, or they could go, we'll go with, uh, you know, we think that what we have is truly a special game, and instead of risking it getting lost in the the muck of other games, we're going to go ahead and take this opportunity to go ahead and get with Microsoft and get more notice because they're going to show us at conferences and going to they're going to treat us like an exclusive because we are. They're going to treat us like a first party, um, and then from there, they of course what ends up happening is that they get more shown, so people naturally gravitate towards the game more, and they end up buying it. But then the flip side of that is, without any of that being said, some people are going to buy it because. One of the things about brand loyalty that's interesting is that there are people that will buy Sony exclusives and Xbox exclusives without even knowing much about the game just because they're exclusives. Right. And I've said that before. In Sony's case, it absolutely makes sense because they have put out so many good games that the chances of you just liking it, as long as you like a pretty wide variety of games, are high. Uh, Xbox doesn't put out quite as many games, and then they've had some mixed quality here and there with games like ReCore. Though, of course, there's been flops on the PlayStation side. As much as I love the order, it is more or less a flop in terms of the general consensus of quality across the rest of their games. Uh, but there be, I think that's true of, of the order as well, is that people bought it because it was a PlayStation exclusive. It didn't even matter past that. It was like, well, it's a PlayStation exclusive. In my opinion, they typically, if it's exclusive, it's exclusive for a reason. Definitely when they're getting when they're the publisher. Publisher, yeah. If you can look and go, well, Microsoft's publishing it, that means they've really, they really they believe in it. Yeah, they got money yeah. to give them. So when you... If you look at it that way, I think that that makes sense, and I think that that's a basic business decision. But what were you thinking about in regards to it? Well, I'll say, actually, it's, it's funny you said you had nothing, but then you kind of said exactly what I was thinking, or, or, or going to say. I think it came down to me understanding exactly how you were perceiving gotcha. the question. So uh, it's pretty much the same. It is interesting when you see um, uh, stuff similar. What like Playground Games now being acquired by Microsoft as of oh, yeah. E3. When yeah. they've been An actual Forza. first party. Yeah. When they were already had a uh, partnership with yeah. them. Yeah, so I, I do think that it is, I think it's a good and bad thing. I think that uh, since they are, since, and I, and I don't mean um, uh, Playground Games, and I don't mean uh, Moon Studio. I mean people who just have loyalty, they want to develop for that one specific console. That's kind of what they do, so... Um, I think focus is a part of that too, right? You know, I mean, well, it depends. It depends on the team if they could develop multi consoles at once. Well, sure, but I I think what goes into that. I I think it comes down to the same reason. I think uh, Spider Man ended up doing so well is that suddenly you don't have to expend any resources to worry about the way this is going to work across every platform. Instead, you just get to go. You know what, guys? I just have to worry about how this runs on one platform. Right. Definitely since the, the Microsoft games are made across an engine that works. So you develop the game once, and it works on 360 and – or th- sorry, it works PC. on Xbox One and PC at the same time. Seamlessly, too. Yeah. Early on, that was not great. No. Uh, Quantum Break was really limited, but they've gotten far better with Sea of Thieves. And, Dude, uh, there's, like, there's no difference. That's, yeah. You might as well be playing on Xbox <laughs> at that point. Or have but, Xbox you know, console. So I think that's something is that it gives you focus. So the business decision is obviously there in the fact that it gives you more outreach. Right? Right. Of course. All and, right. And that helps fund these projects. Like, anytime somebody needs funding, yep. and they say, well, you know what? You let us publish it, or, you know, you develop it only for us. We'll give you this amount where... Yeah. And then everything goes away. So now you don't have the pressure, which I think that that's probably a catch-22 as well. I think sometimes the pressure forces people to make even cooler games, like the, that pressure on them. But or you, not you would truthful. alleviate the pressure. That's true. No Man's Sky. In terms Scott. of No Man's Sky. But you alleviate the pressure to an extent 
on most people. I think most often that would be true. You alleviate the pressure of finances. You know you're covered in that department. Uh, you're alleviated of having to worry about how it's going to run across multiple consoles. Instead, you just go, you know what? I'm developing this game. Yeah, especially if you're not exactly confident in your developing skills. That's like, why I think if you that, can't really develop a game. Yeah, it's a risk. It's a very big risk. Definitely take. when you're directing a game. You know, of it's course. like the less things that you have to worry about in the directorial role the more that you go, you know what? Okay, good. This is what we're going to focus on. Uh, and I think that when you have uh, indie studios like that, they're typically a lot smaller, even though I'm sure the studio is bigger now, considering yeah. how well Ori is done. Oh, um, of course, yeah. In that this particular example. So uh, and then, of course, uh, Gear, I mean, a Drinkbox have done very well for themselves by being loyal to one specific system uh, and, and being smart about that. And even then, you're seeing it continue now with Guacamelee 2 being PC and uh, PS4 only. I think what you... Or actually, PS4 only. It's not even on PC. Guacamelee... I was actually surprised when you said that. I was like, yeah. wow. I didn't know no, it's on that. PS4 only, and they could have went anywhere with it. The first game was on multiple systems, but it was also a limited PlayStation exclusive because they understand that starting there lets them focus on one console. It gives them a lot more, you know, they get seen a lot more. Uh, and I, I just, like we say, every bit of it, it makes sense, actually. I mean, and, no, then, no. and then you steal from there, at least in Drinkbox's case, because it wasn't published by Sony, they still have the ability to, after they've reaped all these benefits anyway, now they can go ahead and publish everywhere else and then reap whatever other sales they're going to get. In Ori's case, it just makes more sense for them to specifically stay bound to Microsoft. Of course, yeah. They, they probably offer them you know, a deal to stay bound with them. And, you Was know, Cuphead it, published by Microsoft as well? Had to be. There's no reason that game should be on. Well, even if it was published, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to, be, it's going to stay exclusive forever. Well, that, nope, that, Studio MDHR. Wow. Yep. So that, I, had, I, I had wonder, a feeling. I wonder what their cash out was for that. Something. <laughs> so, something massive. There's some kind of a deal worked out. But I think at the end of the day, when it comes to stuff like this, is that you go developing a ga- go in to develop a game, and you say like, I'm going to stick with uh, Microsoft, and, I th- and it maybe because you've had a, a Xbox or a PC, you know, whatever it is, for such a long period of time, and you're like, I'm going to develop for the people who like this console, like me. And then you get a lot of fans that are the exact same. Where I'm going to like this game because it's developed by people like me. Yeah. I'm kind of full circle. Yeah, I'm with you. That, that makes a lot of sense, man. So it's just one of those things um, that, that typically is just how that ends up working out. Um, oh. And it makes sense to me that people would go after that and gravitate towards that. Yeah. It just it I, all I, makes sense. It, it alleviates the business worries, typically. And that's basically what it comes down to. The only problem you have to worry about then is if the game doesn't perform well, you may end up being out of a job. But at least you don't have to worry about the business during development yeah. once that agreement's reached. Especially when you have a spectacular game like Ori and the Blind Forest. Uh, I need to play it. The new oh, one dude. looks fantastic. Yeah, I mean, you, looks you, you can download it on a Microsoft Store, I'm sure, for PC. If not, you could download it on um, whatever mod. <laughs> anyway. I'm not going to say where I got it the first time. Okay. It's well, been a long time since I was that soft. But uh, anyways, thank you guys for tuning in. <laughs> Remember always to ask us questions that come into mind. That no matter if they're embarrassing, no matter what they're about, no matter you know what they can be. They like we said, free free range. You can video games, food, movies, music, anything. And unless they're coital based, if they're coital based, then um, you know they're what based uh, coitus. Oh, look, Saul doesn't understand big words. I'm trying to keep this PG by using words that kids wouldn't understand. Uh, anyway, we've already seen Saul freeze up when the things got I, sexual in nature. Um, oh. So, yeah, keep those questions uh, coming. I want to see Saul get uncomfortable. <laughs> no. Uh, but past that. Dang it, now Josh is going to ask a, a question like that. I hope so. <laughs> anyway, until uh, till next week when we do episode 80. Yeah, that's what we're coming up on. 80 weeks, man. This has been going on for a long time. Uh, so, yeah, thank you guys. And until next week, this has been Triangle Squared. Thank you, guys. You know what another big word is? 
Thanks to our patrons for supporting us. Chad V, Dan Barber, Josh Jarrell, Mikey12, My Name is Dan, Noonie Bird, Shadowist, Stephen Salazar, The Stonard, Travis Below, Blake Popst, Eduardo Palomino. If you'd like to support us, uh, the links are in the description. Thank you.